Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on Chargers Weekly here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. A bit later, my conversation with head coach Anthony Lynn, who discusses his Hall of Fame coaching tree, plus a message for Chargers fans. We'll also bring you Coach Lynn and Tom Telesco's press conferences from the Combine in their entirety. But first, 10 draft questions answered for Chargers fans by ESPN's Matt Bowen. Here with a friend of the podcast, recurring guest, one of my favorite guests, Matt Bowen, joins me on Chargers Weekly. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. Good to be back in Indy. Uh, it's been about uh, about eight or nine years doing this in the media. Yeah. I obviously, I ran here a long time ago in the old RCA Dome. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you, <laughs> what, what's it like for you now? Like, what are you doing this week with, with the media? Uh, for me, it's really looking... Um, Obviously, at the prospects, you start with the weigh-ins, and then we're going to look at the testing. But what I do is I take what I've seen on tape and apply it to the testing. Do the numbers match up? There's someone that jumps and pops on in the in the workout, and you say, "Well, is there something I need now? Need to go back and look at on the tape?" Yeah. And for me, it's getting more into the draft prospects, and then projecting their talent and trying to figure out some team fits from there. And also, we got free agency coming up. Yeah. So you're looking at Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum. Where are these guys going to end up? What's their best fit? So that's really what I'm doing this week is projecting and trying to find the best fit for the vets and the young kids. That's going to set the table. Fridge is going to set the table for the draft. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll know who's going to get quarterbacks in April based on where Kirk Cousins goes and some of the, these other vets go. Yeah, and I really think it's Cousins first. Yeah. yeah. We have to see where Cousins goes. And, you know, obviously if you're talking about best fit, the uh, best fit for him, I think, is Minnesota. I think that makes him maybe one of the Super Bowl favorites. You have oh, yeah. one defense, Dalvin Cook coming back, proven pass catchers. You're going to be in a West Coast offense, heavy play action. He's an accurate quarterback. And here's the thing about Kirk Cousins that we don't talk about enough. And this is what the draft prospects coming out, and this is why some people missed Deshaun Watson last year. The intangibles. Okay, if, I, if I'm on your team, I want a quarterback that's tough. You know, I was lucky enough to play two years with Brett Favre. And that's the ultimate toughness right there. Yeah. And, and that is leadership on the field, and it brings energy to the entire team, the entire locker room, the way you practice, the way you prepare. If you know your quarterback can take hits and get up and lead you down the field. And go back to the Seattle tape this year when they were out, Washington was out in Seattle, what he did in that final drive, Whew. taking hits. And that throwing, was impressive. Throwing dimes down the field. We don't talk about that enough with Kirk. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to put Kirk Cousins in that top-tier group, with, you know, with Breeze and those guys. I'm not going to do it. But is he in that second tier? Can he win a title with the number one defense? Of course he can. Yeah. He was a late-round pick. You were a late-round pick. Mm-hmm. Combine, was it 2000 for you? 2000, yeah. What was that experience like for you? Well, it was a lot different. We didn't have this meeting. There's no podcast yeah. at the 2000. There's no podcast. <laughs> 2000 Combine. No charges weekly at the, at the uh, Combine. It was, it was a little different. Uh, and here's how I look at the Combine. It's a job interview. It's part of your resume. And every time you go out as an athlete, your job is to autograph your resume. Okay? So everything you do at the Combine is watched. When you're taking written exams like I did, when you're in individual team interviews, when you're on camera, when you're doing the different testing. And back then was different. We had to do this, what was called the Cybex leg test. And it's kind of like a leg extension you see at you know, your local gym, right? And you have to rep it out as many times as you can until you burn out. And they used to do that the day before the 40. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. So you wake up the next morning, <laughs> your quads feel like bricks. But here, this is why. They, you're not going to run your best time here. You can run your best time at your pro day. Yeah. Okay? You're gonna, if you're a quarterback, you're going to throw better at your pro day. You have better back pedals, a defensive back at your pro day. They want to see you in the most adverse situation, adverse environment, see how you respond. Yeah. That's by want, design, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. They just want to see how you compete, how you compete. So there's no reason not to work out here. I always tell you know players coming out, work out here. You're going to do better at your pro day. They're still going to take your best time. Okay, because even the times we watch on TV, the electronic times, 
the scouts still have the stopwatches for a reason. They still take their own personal sure. times. So come here and compete. Go through the interview process and let everyone know who you are as a person. That's the thing. They can see your competitiveness, your toughness on tape. Yeah. They want to they meet you. They want to ask questions about your family. I was one time, I here, I did an interview with a priest. Really? Yeah, one of the team chaplains was a priest, and I sat down for 20 minutes. He was in the interview? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you get. You have to be prepared for everything. But just be yourself. Let them know who you are as a person. They know who you are as a football Do you remember what the priest asked you? I don't. I don't. I was nervous. I felt like I was in confession again. I grew up Catholic, so yeah. I thought I was in the confession booth again. But no, it was it was unique. Yeah, keep it honest, Matt. Yeah, keep it honest. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was it was a cool experience, and we ran at the old RCA dome. And guys didn't used to run back then because it was old astroturf, not field turf. You don't have cleats on where you can get a good start. Yeah. You know, we were all trying to sneak in like racing flats shoes. We all got pinched. They made them take us off and put on sneakers. Uh, and you run on the sidelines, so it's kind of bouncy at the start. So, you know, the top guys never ran back then. But me, you know, I was a six-round pick. I had no choice but to run. You were a six-round pick. I, I don't think a lot of people know the guy that was picked before you. Yes. Who was that? He's a good player. He's a quarterback from Michigan named Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom yeah, Brady. He was number 198. I was number 198. He was a pick after me. And he was 199. Did you did you know him at all? Sure, during I played the against Tom in, in you college. You played me in the Big Ten, right? Yeah, they beat us at Kinnick one time, Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. I think the final was twelve to nine, a weird score like that, something like that. Uh, yeah, he beat me for a touchdown. Ty Streets, we were playing zero. I see you remember all this stuff. We were yeah, playing yeah. zero man inside the plus five yard line. I had inside leverage in Ty Streets, and Ty Streets gave me an outside stem, and I thought he was going to the corner, broke back to the slant, and Brady beat me. But, you know, one of the iconic images of the combine is Brady running that 40 yeah and people looking at uh, this unathletic guy running the 40 Mm -hmm. and then you fast forward now he's the greatest of all time yeah and the thing about Tom which is so great about him if you're a young quarterback and you're studying his game and I think the game is shifting it's about mobility more at the quarterback position now more than ever but the way he moves inside the pocket that's what makes him so special and the way he can manipulate the pocket, the way he can manipulate a defender in every single play. He's always trying to move someone with his eyes yeah. to create a throwing, throwing window. When he has that window, he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. And I think you can see the energy he plays with and the competitive nature. He's so driven to succeed and win. That's leadership. Matt, I got 10 questions okay. here. We can, we can buzz through some of these. We can get a little bit deeper. But these are basically 10 questions that I prepared that I think Chargers fans want to know during draft season. Chargers pick number 17 overall. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of different players on offense and defense that could be in play. And I, I want to start with this question because we just talked about Brady. We talked about mobility. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. I don't know if those guys are going to be around at number 17 or not. Right. But – Three years from now, who do you think is going to be the better pro? There's a lot of varying opinions. Right. And, you know, Baker Mayfield, he had a really good senior bowl. But Lamar Jackson, you you can't ignore his electricity and his productivity. Well, you know, I'm a big believer in both of them. I'll start with that. Yeah. I'd like to coach both of them because they're different quarterbacks. Okay. With Baker, Baker completed 70% of his passes at Oklahoma. Okay, and his offense is a fit for the modern NFL. More quick game, more run pass options, more play pass, more movement. Okay, that's what the NFL is going to. It's creating windows. It's attacking those windows to short to intermediate pass game. It doesn't mean he doesn't have the arm. He has the arm. You can watch Oklahoma State film. He can throw the ball down the field all day. I think what you notice at Mobile is the energy he brings to the field, the way his teammates gravitate to him. He's got those leadership skills. Very competitive. Now, people are going to knock him for his height. He measured in today. He's over six feet tall. 
Yeah. Okay, he's over six feet tall. You guys used to have a quarterback out there in San Diego named Drew Brees. Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, he's a pretty good player, right? So we've seen it done before, and it's really what he can do from the pocket. I think he's going to be a really good pro if he's in the right fit, if he coached in the right way. Lamar Jackson, look, I played against Michael Vick. They beat us. Atlanta beat us in the playoffs when I was with the Packers. And Michael Vick said he's five times better than he was in college. Lamar Jackson was. Well, I think he's being pretty humble there. Yeah, Michael a little Vick, humble. If you watch Michael Vick's Virginia Tech tape, it's electric. Yeah. Now, we played against Vick a bunch of times, and I played against him in the playoffs. They upset us in Green Bay in uh, the 0-2 playoffs. And there's certain things you can't run against quarterbacks that are that electric. You can't play two-man. You can't play a lot of man coverage. You turn your back. You got defensive backs chasing down the field, and that quarterback gets outside. It's time to strike up the band. Yeah. It's a touchdown. Yeah. Now, Lamar Jackson, there's things I'd love to do as a coach. I'd love to coach him because the talent you can't teach, the electric speed you can't teach, the body control he has, the natural arm talent he has. He just flicks the ball down the field. Now, there's things you have to correct, okay, whether it's his footwork or his mechanics. That's going to increase his accuracy. You can do that if you want to teach. Okay, if you're willing to teach. And we need to see more of that at the pro level, like we do at the college and the high school level, with quarterback coaches and coordinators who are dedicated to teaching and developing players. Yeah. Okay, because all these quarterbacks coming out, doesn't matter if we're talking about Baker, Lamar, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, they all have things that need to be corrected at the pro level. That's part of making the transition from college to pro, just like it is for a high school player to college. Yeah. You have to develop and become a better player. You have to teach. You have to teach. But I would love to coach Lamar Jackson. I'd love to put a game plan together for him. Yeah. I would. And it, 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 here's the thing. It doesn't mean you run zone read 45 times. You don't. That's just a simple part of your game plan. You don't plan. need to. No, you, you run sprint. You run boot. You get him outside the pocket. Look, you look at Louisville's tape. That's a pro route tree. That's what it is. runs a pro-style yeah, offense, that's right? that's what it is. It's, it's a pro-style offense. Okay, just because a quarterback's in the gun or the pistol doesn't mean it's a college offense. Tom Brady's in the gun all day. I don't, you've seen tape of Jackson. I think one of the things that, that stands out to me is just the fact that he stays in games. And he, I guess he takes care of himself outside the pocket because yeah. you do worry about that, right. about a, a quarterback taking an unnecessary hit outside the pocket, right. trying to make a play, trying to yeah. get an extra couple of yards. But he was pretty durable in college. He was very durable. I think his frame is very similar. You know, today he measured at uh, 6'2", weighed in at 216. You know, Mariota's what, 6'4", 222? Yeah. He ran a 4.52. Lamar Jackson's going to run in the 4.4s. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. He so might you, be the best athlete here. You think three years from now, these guys, who, who do you think has the higher ceiling? I guess that'd probably uh, be the better, the better way to the frame it. The higher ceiling is Lamar Jackson. Yeah. If you're talking about potential and ceiling, yeah. I think the more game-ready right now is Baker Mayfield because of his accuracy. He can be surgical in the middle of the field. That's where you want the ball. The ball on the upfield shoulder and the pros has to be there. You put on the back shoulder, it's going the other way for a touchdown. He's very accurate, and that's what I look for first, the quarterback, especially like Baker's. Can he make the plays outside the pocket because the game is changing? Can he run play action, get his eyes up the field, and find those open windows he can do that. I'm not saying Lamar can't. Lamar can do that stuff too. But right now the most game ready is Baker. But the higher ceiling, the guy I'd love to coach and be in a meeting room with is Lamar Jackson. Second question here, defensive tackles. There's three really good ones that mm-hmm. could be available at number 17. Uh, Vita Vea from Washington, absolute monster, 6'5", 340. Uh, Maurice Hurst, really productive at Michigan. And Alabama's Deron Payne. Of those three, Matt, who do you think would look best next to Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram? Well, I'll say this. Uh, I'm going to say Payne. Payne? I do. I've watched a lot of Bama film. And anytime you get a Bama defensive tackle or defensive end or a nose, you know what you're getting in terms of fundamental ability, in terms of fundamentals of the game, technique, hands, footwork. Uh, I think 
if you watch him in the national semifinal game, the national championship game, I mean, that's his resume right there. Made a bunch of plays. Even caught a touchdown in the national yeah, semifinal he did. game. Uh, amazing athlete. But he's a guy you put in the middle of the defense that's going to two-gap all day that, as a guy that can penetrate up the field. Now, he's not going to give you a ton of disruption as a pass rusher. Okay, that's, that's the thing you have to weigh there. Is he a two-down player? What can he do for you on third down? Now, again, go back to the national semifinal game and the national championship. He used so many counter moves. He's bowling guys off the line of scrimmage using a quick swim. He's getting to the football. It's one thing about band players. They run to the football. Okay. But for me, and you ask 10 other guys, you get 10 other answers. But for me, it's, it's pain. Is he a three-down player? Can you keep him on the field on third down? I've noticed in the film that he does get enough disruptions. Okay, and here's the thing. People look at sacks. I think he only has three career sacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, sacks aren't everything. We, when I was playing for Greg Williams in Washington, we were graded on disruptions. If you alter the quarterback's pass, that's a positive grade. You get a hand up in his face and the ball is altered, that's a plus. Yeah. Okay, everyone wants sacks. I get, I get that. But can he provide enough disruption? Can he push? You're talking about Bosa and Ingram. Can he push the pocket enough where that quarterback has no room to step up? Because if he does that, now you have two of the best edge rushers in the NFL coming off outside. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. And that's what you really want. You want a guy that can eat up space in the middle, get a push off the line of scrimmage if we're talking about third downs, and let your two stars go get the quarterback. All right, third question here, and this is really for any team, Matt. How tempting would it be for – an NFL team to select a running back in the first three rounds of this draft based on how loaded it is. At the Very position. tempting. Well, you start with Saquon Barkley. He was six foot two thirty three yesterday. He's yeah. like tier one, and everybody else yeah. is one A, right? Well, or this two. is why because uh, again, talking about the modern NFL, it's, it's versatility at the position. You want to, you don't necessarily want a third down back. You want a three down back. Okay, you talking about like a Melvin Gordon, yeah. someone can impact the passing game. And it's more than just screens, it's catching the ball in the flat, catching on swing routes, running an option route, removing from the formation to match up against a linebacker. He has more versatility than anyone in this running back class, and he's a home run threat. He is. He's yeah. a home run threat. I mean, you turn on any tape, you're going to find a play that pops. Even against Ohio State, people say, he had, you know, he didn't have great numbers. Well, he had a 90-something-yard kickoff return for a touchdown and, like, 50-yard touchdown yeah. run. I mean, he impacted he, the game. Yeah, he scored 14 points for you. I mean, it wasn't that bad of a day. <laughs> and I think Saquon is Tier 1. And then he gets to Tier 2, which is very interesting. A player I really like is Ronald Jones out of USC. Yeah. Okay, doesn't have a big frame. Yesterday was five foot eleven, 205 pounds. Built like Jamal Charles. That's the player count for him right now. A slasher. A guy that is quick twitch in terms of his hips, his flexibility, and the ability to slash through gaps and get into the field. He does have some home run speed as well. Yeah. Very interested to watch him test this week. Didn't have a ton of versatility at USC in their offense, but again, you have to look at traits. Can he be a guy who catch the ball? Great match? I think he can. Yeah. Sonny Michelle from Georgia is very high on my list. I talked to Greg Cassell about him yesterday. Yeah. Really high on Sonny Michelle. And because he, my player comp for him is a Tevin Coleman, okay, because he's downhill now. Go. You, they run a lot of inside zone at Georgia, especially out of the gun, where, again, the NFL is going. There's no hesitation to his game. He's a very angular runner. Okay, he, he, he runs on angles. Okay, there's no hesitation. Get downhill, push the ball to the second level. Turn on the Florida tape. He had six carries for a buck 34. I mean, turn on the Rose Bowl tape. The Rose Bowl tape. That's that against on your resume. There you go. And then go to the Alabama tape. You didn't have huge numbers, but. If you look at the second half when they started getting some flow on inside zone, he was hammering the ball up the middle. Darius Geis from LSU, 224 yesterday. Very physical running back. Now, the thing with Geis that people are going to have questions on is what is his 
impact in the passing game. And you can say that Michelle, too. He didn't have a lot of catches. I think he can. But what is Geis in terms of versatility? And how long does that running style last? Yeah. How long does that running style last when you're taking on now NFL linebackers and NFL defensive backs hit? They hit hard. And they're going to come in and get you in that hole. So, But I really like him. Yeah. His 2016 tape is much better. He was a little beat up last year in terms of injuries. But he's a day two guy all all day, and we'll see what he runs. He could sneak in the back end of round one. The the blueprint, it seems to you, look at Super Bowl 52, especially with the Eagles. You got three running backs here. Yeah, yeah Clement. They all do different things. They all do. You look at the Patriots with Burkhead and Lewis and, and uh, James, uh, White. James White. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to be versatile in the backfield. And make no mistake about Melvin Gordon. He's the bell cow in, yeah. in L.A. But I think Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield was, was really good this year. He did great things in his rookie season. But doesn't hurt to have another guy who can make an impact. It doesn't. It, I, I agree with you. And that's why a guy like Ronald Jones is a great pick because he's a guy who can give 12 touches a game. He yeah. might be listed as your number one, but I mean, look at New Orleans last year. Look what they did with their that two That was like one of the best one-two punches we've ever seen. Ever. Yeah. And they have different styles. That's why you, you don't want two of the same player. Yeah. You want guys with different styles that can create matchups or do things differently within your game plan. All right, next question. When I say the name of Florida State safety Darwin James, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you as a, as a former safety? You better get your pads down as an offensive player. Yeah. You better get your pads <laughs> down because he's a downhill guy. He's a thumper. Super athletic. I think he's going to have a great week testing this week. And you can see the flashes when you watch the FSU film, just how athletic he is. And really, yeah, that's a guy you want to put in a certain scheme to maximize his talents. You're talking about L.A. with, with Coach Bradley. Yeah. And what they do in, in three deep coverage, you put him as a strong safe there and you let him go. Let him buzz, buzz the flat. Let him play the hook. Let him get down the run front. Let him rotate to the middle of the field at times, but really let him chase the football. He is a guy that's going to impact first and second down. He's going to impact your sub package. You get a little creative with him on sub package. You can make him now your nickel linebacker. Okay? You can blitz him. He's going to tackle. And when he tackles, people are going to feel it. They're going to feel it. And I think he's going to make a lot of plays in the ball in the NFL if he's in the right scheme. But first rounder all day. And here's the thing. After this week, he might really climb. You might start talking about top 15. He could, he could put on a show this week. He could. You might start talking top 15. His comp, you hear the name Cam Chancellor. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I, I don't want to compare anybody to Sean Taylor. You played with Sean Taylor. Sean. What's Derwin James's comp? Uh, Nobody's Sean Taylor, by no, the way. No one's Sean, but you know, Sean had that, that natural athleticism that was off the charts, stuff you can't teach. And I think that's why you'll hear some of that because with James, he has some of that natural athleticism, again, that you can't teach that as a coach, you're not going to be able to, you're never going to make someone move like that, no matter how much technique. I mean, that's just natural ability. No doubt. And the size, that's why people say Cam. He's not as big as Cam, but he has that presence. And I'm telling you right now, if I'm an NFL DB coach, I want safeties that intimidate. You can still do that in today's game. Yes, you have to lower your, your target zone. I understand that, but you can teach that. If you don't show that stuff on film, you're allowing offensive players to do what they want. The way you take away what an offense wants to do, it's not with the chalkboard, man. It's with your pads. Yeah. That's how you take it away. Linebackers. Roquan Smith seems to be a guy that is hovering around the middle of that first round. Yeah. I think he could be a top 10 guy. You got Tremaine Edmonds, who's, yeah. a, who's probably a, a top 10 lock right. at this point. Where do you think Roquan Smith's going to be drafted? And how do you compare him with some of the other guys in the class? Also talking about Evans from Alabama. Oh, well, we'll start with, with Edmonds, and I agree with you. He's 6'5", 250. 
There's not a player count for him. Yeah, that's insane. Talk about Brian Urlacher. Yeah, uh, that's the only measurables as an inside linebacker. I think some three, four teams look at Edmonds. You look at Chicago at eight. I think Edmonds is going to test. He should test fantastically yeah. this week. That may be hand in glove for Chicago. Yeah, and you put him out opposite Leonard Floyd, and I got two edge rushers. And some teams might play him inside. I think Roquan Smith right now is the best pure linebacker in the draft. Wow. Okay, when you watch his film at Georgia, <clears throat> watch him in the National Championship game. I turned on the other day against Georgia Tech, and, you know, Georgia Tech runs a triple option. They played Roquan Smith about seven yards off the ball like a rover and just let him run the alley. He's just chasing everyone down. Here's the thing. He tackles. He's missed many tackles. 137 tackles. Yes, yeah, he tackles. He wraps up. He's fundamentally sound. He's a run and hit linebacker all day. He's an impactor sub packages. People are going to want to know what he what he measures in at this week. You know, if he's above six feet tall, that's fine for me. Okay, but Edmonds is going to go higher because of the measurable, so it works. Now, Rashawn Evans is a very good player out of Bama, very good, and he's the back half for that first round. But if he tests well, and if you go back and watch the watch the LSU tape. The way he slips blocks, the way he arrives on contact, he's so explosive. And he can run. He can get from point A to B. Maybe not as fast as Roquan, but he's right behind him on that. He's a first-round linebacker all day. Got me excited about these linebackers, man. All right, next question. If a team misses out on these big five quarterbacks that that we're projecting to be first-rounders, you talk about the two kids from L.A., Mm -hmm. Rosen and Darnold. You got Allen from Wyoming. The two Heisman Trophy winners we talked about earlier, uh, Jackson and Mayfield. Do you think there's enough depth to find a future starter in the NFL in rounds two and three? Well, there's, that's always the question because that's what people want to do. They want to get a day two quarterback. You know, day three, you're getting a more developmental player. Everyone understands that. But day two, you know, in that second and third round wheelhouse, now you're talking Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. A, a tremendous amount of experience. He's played a lot of football games and a high-powered offense. A lot of play action, a lot of RPOs. But again, like we talked about earlier, that's where the game is going. Throws one of the best deep balls of this class. Has great touch to the ball. Doesn't have a massive arm. Do you think the senior bowl, the fact that he didn't get to perform in the senior bowl may have hurt me? I think this is a good opportunity for him to kind of showcase what he's got here this it week. It is. And I would, have, I would have loved to see him in the senior bowl. But, you know, he had an injury. It's understandable. Uh, he can drive the ball outside the numbers. The one negative on him is he doesn't have the movement skills. Okay? He, he doesn't have the movement skills of a Sam Darnold. He does not. Okay, he's more of a natural pocket thrower. Another guy is Luke Falk from Washington State. We yeah. don't talk about Luke Falk very often. Obviously played in air raid offense. Has to get the ball out quicker in the NFL. But he can put the ball where he wants. Very accurate. Again, what you get on day two usually in the draft is a lot of senior quarterbacks, a lot of guys who played a ton of football, have a ton of experience, very smart football players, guys that might not be game ready right now. But, again, you're talking about a place like L.A. for the future after Phillip Rivers. That's where you get your quarterback. You got a late-round gem either on offense or defense? I go back to the Senior Bowl and guys I saw. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton really impressed me, wide receiver out of Penn He's State. Good route runner. Really good route runner. Had some drops during the season, had some drops in Mobile. Really good route runner. Now, obviously, I'm biased towards Iowa City. You know that. But what about Josie Jewell at linebacker? Yeah. Guy who's played a ton of football. Might not test off the charts here. But hey, we got a Hawkeye that, that did some work this did. year. Yeah, Desmond did some work for you guys. There's no doubt about that. But Josie's in that kind of mold, uh, just a, a tough, nasty defensive football player. Can get to the ball despite what you think his testing numbers will be. He's a guy you say, hey, just turn on the tape. Same with Desmond last year. And people are questioning, turn on the tape. And what you get from the University of Iowa is tough, disciplined football players, high character guys. 
guys are going to be role models in the community. That's what you get from Coach Ferentz's program. And they're already pro-ready because of how they're prepared under Coach. All right, next question. Best offensive tackle in this year's draft is who? Well, I, I, I think there's two guys from the Big 12, right, that are kind of headlining this thing, Orlando right? Connor Brown. Williams and Orlando Brown. Yeah. But what about Quentin Nelson? Just because of what the measurables were yesterday. What, moving him to tackle? Yeah, he's 6'5". Yeah. I think a team's going to try to do that. So if you're going to ask me that, I, Quentin Nelson, I, Quentin Nelson. Yeah, slam dunk. Look, Quentin Nelson's tape is awesome because it's it's like watching Monday Night Raw at times. Okay, <laughs> he throws people I've out of the ring, seen some. right? And you, you don't. When's the last time you watched a highlight tape for a guard? Whether you're watching a high school prospect, never, right? Yeah. What, what's on? You watch highlight tape. You want to see guys catch the ball, DBs, picks, quarterbacks running the ball, making plays. You don't watch offensive guards. You watch this guy's highlights because he just throws people out of the ring. He's very athletic. His movement still, skills are excellent. You, he's a plug and play starter, day one, on your offensive line and offensive guard. But because he's six five, because he has length, I think a team's gonna try to move him to tackle. And Orlando Brown yesterday, his measurables were crazy. Yeah. Crazy. He's the biggest dude by far. He is a, a massive, massive tackle. And you're watching the Rose Bowl tape. He got his hands on Roquan a couple times. Did a good job. He can get up to the second level. And I think he's going to climb. I think he's going to climb up the board. And that's the thing right now, if we look at all the mocks, there's no tackles. And talking about the top 15. When those tackles start to move up, now those quarterbacks start to move up, everyone else is going to get pushed down. That's exactly right. So you're talking L.A., a guy like Roquan, he might be there. He could be. Yeah, because they might get pushed down. If we, get, if, we, if we see five quarterbacks go in, like, the top 15, the teams that don't need a quarterback licking their chops. No, oh, yeah, that's what they want. Yeah. And the teams that don't need to tackle because the tackle is such a premium position. It's an edge position. And I have a hard time. It's just the beginning of the draft process. I have a hard time believing we're not going to have a tackle in the top 15. Yeah. It's really, you don't really see that very often. Yeah. So it could be good for a lot of teams. Is Quentin Nelson a, a top five pick in your eyes? At guard, because the only reason I say that is uh, the Redskins selected Brandon Sheriff, Sheriff out of Iowa, like at five, right, right before Leonard Williams, right. And people are like, "Oh, you didn't, you didn't get Leonard Williams." Well, you look at Sheriff's productivity and him just staying on the field. He's yeah. a Pro Bowl guard. Yeah, he's already been in the Pro Bowl. Yes, and, and that's the question. The thing I always say when people ask me about the drafts is, "Draft the best football player, right? Draft the best best player. guy you need." Yeah, draft the best player. You know, teams that draft on need base all the time are always drafting on need base. Because they're passing up fantastic football players to fill a need that you might be able to fill during free agency with a second-tier free agent for a couple of years. I mean, there's ways around that. Draft the best football player. If Quentin Nelson is the best player on your board and you're on the clock, don't even think about it. Go get him. Yeah. Go get him. Number nine here. Uh, give me two names that you think are going to put a show, put on a show, rather, in Indy. No, I think one we just talked about is Edmonds out of Virginia Tech. I think he's the guy that, I mean, could, you might be talking about top six pick after this week. I mean, I really believe that. Wow. Because of the measures, because he's, how he's going to test, I think he's a guy like that. Next one, I'm going to say Dante Jackson, the defensive back out of LSU. Oh, wow, okay. Because of his speed. Yeah. And, look, he's sticky in coverage. He's not the most physical corner. I understand that. But he's sticky in coverage, can play inside and outside. And if he runs, which some people are talking some really low times, now you're talking about a first-round player. So those are two guys I'm looking at that could really improve their draft stock this week by producing these great testing numbers. That's what this is about. Again, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it does count. You know, people say, oh, it's just a combine. Sure, it counts. Yeah. We're here. Everyone in the NFL is here for yeah. a reason, all right, to watch these kids, test them for the pro personnel, to interview them, get to know them. It's a major, major part of the process. So, yeah, the testing numbers, they do matter. 
right, last one, Matt. It's March 1st. It's way, way, way too early. But who's the best fit for the Chargers at 17? Based on everything we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know that there's a lot of needs on, on every football team. You'll want to improve yeah. your team in, in all three levels. Based on who we talked about at number 17, who do you think is the best fit for the Chargers? It's Darren James. I do. I do. And, and, you know, I, I'm a little partial there as an ex-defensive back. And, but I look at how a guy like that, and I see what, what Cam has done in terms of overall impact. You have to know where he is at all times, and that's Seattle defense, right? And especially their great defenses of the past couple of years. You can't run crossing routes. If you do, you better have some rib pads on, okay? All right, he's an impact you run front. He's just an, a dominant force on your defense. And I look at Coach Bradley's system and what they do, and you put him in there on day one, He's going to tackle, too. I know how important tackling is. Coach, hey, you play cover three, you know, tackle, you don't have a chance. So he's going to tackle. I think that's a guy that could possibly be there. Again, it's March 1st. We don't know. Yeah. But since we're playing that game on March 1st, I'm going to say Derwin James is the pick if I'm the L.A. Chargers. Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus had him on last week, and he was talking about how you could put him on a guy like Gronk, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey. You could also put him on a slot guy, mm-hmm. and he's going to cover both of them. He's going to match up to the running back out of the backfield, too. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to lock down Le'Veon Bell. No one is to lock down Le'Veon Bell every time. But you got a running back who's coming out an option route. you got Christian McCaffrey bursting to the flat. I, I'm fine with him playing off and saying, look, let him catch the ball in the flat and tackle him. It's two yards. Who cares? Yeah. Just match to him. Match to him. Yeah. You know, and that's what he can do. Plus, you know, we don't talk about this enough, but especially defensive guys, who's going to block him on special teams? Who? It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's the not going to happen. Special teams' impact is huge. Yeah. You know, that's never talked about at the Combine, obviously, because we're talking a lot of first, second-day prospects. But special teams impact. You know, if I'm a secondary coach and you're in uniform, you're starting on special teams too. Yeah. That's how, that's how it was when I played. And I want guys to cover kicks and can cover punts. And Derwin James do that for you as well because you better have a double on him on kickoff. You better. Yeah. And you better tell your receiver to get down. I mean, returner to get down. Matt, what are you working on? at ESPN over the next couple of months, and where can people find your work? Uh, next couple of months, uh, I'll be doing a lot with the draft. i got a free agency piece coming out next week. I'm taking you know 15 guys, like Kirk Cousins we talked about, and yeah. talking about their best fits. And it might not be the best place for them in terms of total monetary value, but I'm looking at it from a football perspective. This is where I would like to see this guy. I think he can play the best football here. Uh, I'm going to obviously do some fantasy stuff off the draft. All right, these are, I'm going to look at 10 prospects you need to keep on your fantasy radar. You know, these, these running backs make immediate impact. Yeah, and if Calvin Ridley goes out there and runs a 4-4, you better have him on your draft board when it comes time for fantasy draft. Yep. Uh, I'm going to be on the SEC network, network next week. I'm going to do the Bama Pro Day. Oh, it's great. So I'm going to be uh, in studio in Charlotte. Uh, we're going to have some guys on the ground there in Tuscaloosa. Excellent. But I'll talk about, you know, make it Fitzpatrick, Evans, Payne. Payne. Yeah, a Ridley. lot of guys in the first round. Uh, yeah, that, that's a fun group to do because they're so disciplined, they're so physical, a ton of defensive talent, obviously. And a lot of guys are going to play five, six, seven years in the NFL. So you're going to get some great players out of Alabama. Matt, always appreciate the time, man. You're the best uh, recurring guest. Love having you on and uh, hope to do it again soon. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Please be joined by the head coach of the L.A. Chargers, Anthony Lynn. Coach, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. You know, second year uh, as a head coach here at the Combine. I think things have uh, Going a little smoother this yeah. year. What's you know? the biggest didn't difference? Didn't have to hire coaching staff. Had more time to, to prepare and get ready. Well, that's the thing. You could take a, a little bit more of a breath this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. What's the biggest difference? Well, uh, 
I think also just being being with Tom for a year, Tom, John, Ed, and those guys, uh, you know, we all have the same philosophy, pulling in the same direction. And just uh, last year at this time, I didn't know those guys very well. Sure. But uh, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure getting to know them and, and then working with them. What's this week like for you in terms of uh, digging into these prospects? You know, we got free agency on the horizon. Right. Like, how do you prioritize the week? Well, you know, before you get here, you're all, you're all in the free agency because that, that, that's what happens first. But when you get here, you know, we have a schedule. Everyone's on an itinerary. And so uh, uh, we're just – this is one of the exposures. You know, in, in my mind, no one's going to move up or down this draft board at this combine. Yeah. You know, I'm going to watch it on tape exactly. and see how they play. But uh, this is definitely an important process because, like I say, you only get so many exposures with these guys, and this is one of them. And I'm just looking for consistency and if seeing if uh, uh, we can see something that may validate what you see on tape. Yeah. You know, you look at 2018 already. There's been a lot of big changes up and down the AFC West. There's a lot of new coaches in Denver, uh, some pending changes in Kansas City, new coach in Oakland. And you, you talked about it, a little more continuity with the Chargers, Coach Wisenhunt, Coach Bradley back. Um, how important is that for you in the second year, building off of last year's success, but also knowing you get the same core in, in, in place? Well, it, it can be huge. I don't want to say it's a competitive advantage, but I just know I wanted some consistency, some continuity going into this year. Yeah. Last year we didn't have that. And so uh, I feel like uh, the way we were playing at the end of the season, that would be our best chance of starting the year off that way yeah. if we can keep everyone in-house. Yeah. I just made a purchase of a book called Find the Winning Edge by Bill Walsh. It's, a, it's that book that is so elusive. You can't get it. And I know he is one of your mentors. No doubt. Mike Shanahan, Bill Parcells. He has such a unique coaching tree. Uh, what's the biggest piece of advice that you've gotten from each of those guys as you reflect on your first year as a head coach? You know, it just so much. Those guys were so brilliant. Uh, I wish when I was with Coach Walsh, I would have known that I was going to do this one day because I probably could have just taken a ton of notes that would have helped me out. But, uh, uh, you know, his – information that he has in his books i've read every single one of his books it's outstanding uh and it stands the test of time right it's absolutely it's not something that you can use for a couple of years it's not a fad yeah you know uh you know you know and coach walsh planted the seed to get me into this business but he was so detailed uh his approach was more of a philosopher and uh he was a thinking man yeah. and and i found that it's hard to do this job if uh if you're not a thinker and uh, it's no problem that can't be solved if, if you can if you can think and and uh, and uh, in, a, in a strategic way and work with people to to make it happen. So uh, I mean, it's a ton of things I could have taken from Coach Walsh, but Coach Shanahan, very detailed, very detailed uh, uh, offensive mind. You know, is one of the best innovators in the game. Uh, you know, his winning for formula was making a, a defense defend three offenses: the run, yeah. pass. And your special plays, and uh, it's not necessarily about stats, you know, but uh, it's just execution. And and, uh, and then Coach Parcells, you know, he called me at a time when I was probably uh, most impressionable, uh, when I knew I was going to do this for a long time, and uh, I, I learned a lot from him in those two three years I was with him. So, uh, uh, you know, the Coach Parcells, you know, he's all about winning formulas you know no stat you don't care about stats unless it correlates to winning yeah and usually i focus on the top three because i don't want you don't want to focus on too many things because then you get confusion you don't get clarity of course and uh uh you know, our top three things every year has been the same so it's, it's still at the test of time as well but uh just three brilliant coaches and it's been a lot more coaches than that i know mean, a lot of assistant coaches of that have been very instrumental for me being here right now and uh uh 
But anyway, I'm just babbling right now. But no, I, I, but it's, I love it's just, it because it's, it's just, just so many guys. The level of detail in Bill Walsh and his preparation, like re- really just reading that book, there is a section on evaluating players at the combine. There's Absolutely. a section on handling Absolutely. the media. There's a section on um, dealing with people in the front office that even outside the coaching staff. Uh, th- there's so much that goes into it, and he really has set the blueprint for so many coaches. Coach, Coach Walsh, he knew that it took an organization to win a championship. Not a locker room, not a coach, an organization. And uh, you know his his philosophy was how to get an organization on the same page, pulling in the same direction. Because when you can do that, that's hard to stop, man. Yeah. I want to ask you about the running game. And I had Rex Ryan on the podcast week one. He talked about the Alin running game. What do you want to see in 2018 in terms of making it that much more explosive? We we look at the blueprint around the league, coach, and I look at the Super Bowl, and you got a lot of guys that can do different things like Clement and Jay and mm-hmm. Blunt and Philly and Rex Burkhead and uh, Dion Lewis and uh, James sure. White in New England. What do you want to see out of the running game in 2018? Because Melvin, like you said, he was came on really strong last year. Yeah. You know, I've always been very multiple in the running game. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the quarterback as well. Uh, you know, Phillip is different uh, than some of the quarterbacks I've had in the past. So there are a lot of things that uh, I've done in the past that I cannot do now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to figure out what these guys block best, what these guys run best. And uh, I, I, I like to think after a year, you know, we have a pretty good idea, even though we had some changes up front in the line. But uh, I see us getting off this year to a little faster start you know, in the run game with the personnel that we have right now. And so uh, I feel good about it. I think we're definitely going to improve in that area. But uh, you have to build your system around what you have. And uh, I think it may look a little different this year based on the personnel that we have and what I think we do, we do best. New coach Rip Scher. Yeah, in the mix and it's just so funny because you have a connection with him. Coach Wisenhunt has yeah. a connection with him. Skip and Josh and PR have a connection with him. What's Coach Sher going to bring to that to that coaching room? You know, he a ton of experience. I think when you can get a veteran coach like that to mix with some young, good up and coming talent, uh, I think it's good. And uh, Rip, I remember when I was younger. He helped me tremendously in my in my in my uh, organizational skills and uh, in my planning preparation and uh, I never forget that and uh, I wanted to bring him on the staff because I want some other guys to experience you guys that. We're in Cleveland together. Right? We, we were together in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Um, Coach, get your head here on this. Uh, what do you want Chargers fans to know about this team in 2018 and, and what you guys are working towards? Because you see the positive momentum, nine of 12 in 2017. I know you can't really replicate 2017 into 2018 sure. uh, but just kind of the state of the franchise year two a lot of things seem to be in place you know uh, our core values uh, I think uh, a lot of people can uh, relate to those you know uh, we want to be a tough football team and I think our guys prove that they are tough and, and that's not just physical that's that's mental yeah. toughness and resolve and uh, uh, selflessness you know, a bunch of unselfish guys, and uh, uh, I think anybody can relate to that. And and we're, we're going to always compete, no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah. We're going to always compete, and uh, that's life. And uh, you know, even when we went through our peaks and valleys, you know, that never changed. And hopefully, uh, our fans can appreciate the consistency of that and and relate to that. But we're going to give you everything we've got, and uh, you know, we we hope to win each and every week. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But you know. Uh, uh, we're going to be involved in our community, yes. and uh, uh, that's something that you know, this organization is really important. big on. LA's so it's, big, too. You know, it's, it's so important. It's, it's very important, and these guys care. They, you know, they, they care. So it's just a good group of guys. Uh, one of the best I've had as far as uh, off-the-field issues. You know, I can't think of one, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
And so uh, I think fans appreciate that. Yeah. Hard-working man doing their job. And uh, I hope they come out and cheer for us. Yeah. Well, it starts at the top with you, one of the best coach. I can't thank you enough for your time. And uh, it's been a blast covering you in year one. Looking forward to bigger things in year two. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, um, I mean, there's really no update to it. You know, he finished the season healthy, so no update there. So um, I've said this before, he just needs to work. And, and to have the full off-season program, full training camps, and he's going to benefit a lot from, um, you know, he just needs to keep coming along. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, he just needs to work, needs to work with the quarterbacks, needs to get that into that grind of training camp, which he missed all of last year, and it's tough for young players. So, um, But he's on track to where he needs to be. Were there points in the game where you saw play here, play there? Small glimmer. Probably saw more in practice. And it's tough. You know, we drop them into practice mode halfway through the season where everybody else is, is firing on full cylinders and he has to catch up. We saw a lot of flashes in practice of, of wild plays. During the games, glimmers of it. Not as much as we saw in practice, but I think that's kind of natural for what he went through from the spring, summer, into the fall. So, uh, you know, he just needs to keep keep moving forward with that yeah work ethic is great and 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 we really saw that a lot not only at Clemson but his rehab process you know when you're a number one draft pick um, and you get hurt right away and you're a skill position player uh, because everybody loves fantasy football so um, that was a lot of pressure on him and he handled it really well had it was very mature with it and worked hard to get back on the field. And once you get back on the field, then he has to earn the trust of our coaches and quarterback as well. That takes time. Tom, will uh, Hunter Henry be on the field uh, when you guys kind of get back together for offseason stuff? I would anticipate that. Yeah, he's, he's played really well for us. He's a very well-rounded tight end. He can block at the line of scrimmage. He can do some dirty work for you, but he can also make plays in the passing game. Works extremely hard. Um, he's a you know, big part of our offense, he, and he was his rookie year, and he was last year. How are you guys uh, evaluating quarterback? He's in the last two or three years. No, no, it's been an emphasis every year. You know, when I say no, what I mean is there's been an emphasis every year, uh, certainly since I got to the Chargers. Uh, you never know when that, that opportunity is going to be there uh, for that next quarterback. And, and we're in a great position because Phillip is playing so well right now, and we feel really good about him. Um, but we're also realistic to know that we have some work to do to plan for the future. So uh, the work we do, the resources we put into scouting that quarterback position is really no different this year than, than past years. Yeah, that's glass half full, right? So we got, we got two guys coming back that, that we're really happy about. Um, Forrest is on track with the same, same uh, no update with him from, from the offseason. Uh, he, you know, he has a natural ability to run routes. You saw that at California, at Cal. Um, a lot of college receivers can really rely on their natural abilities to beat college corners. Uh, but Keenan was a very polished receiver, and a lot of that was him. A lot of that was, was coaching at Cal. Um, and he's shown that at this level that he's really a precise route runner, has a great feel for, for his surroundings and awareness. Um, I think uh, his basketball background, I think, helps him out just to see the field. Like a, kind of like a point guard does. And then when you add in his physical abilities, that all helps him out too. But he just has a natural feel for the game. Generally speaking with that position, what are the greatest challenges with draft prospects that are valuing the receiver? The one thing that's changed that we've seen is, is 
receivers at the college level do not see a lot of man-to-man coverage. So you have to project a little bit at this level. Can a receiver get in and out of a break? Can he separate from tight man coverage, which they will get a lot at this level? Those are things we have to project. Like in Keenan's case, he's got really high-level uh, separation quickness in and out of breaks, and that, that really helps his game, obviously. How do you feel Phillip would handle a young quarterback coming in and working with that guy and helping the team yeah. There aren't many players I've been around that are better team guys than Phillip. I mean, he's, he's all about the team all the time, son of a coach. You know, he, he gets it. Um, yeah, that would be the least of my worries. Tom, you had so many mentors start your career. I know Bill Foley, obviously, but someone you were really close to, Kathy Rivers, and Dominic. What did you mean to you in your growth as a team Well, I think naturally everybody puts me in the, in the Bill Polian tree, which I'm very proud of. There's no doubt, about, no doubt about that. Bill taught me, and his son, Chris Pullen, they taught me everything in pro football as far as building a roster, making trades, draft management, building winning culture, all that. But um, I worked for Dominelli for probably over 15 years as a college scouting director, and uh, he taught me how to scout from uh, how to watch tape, how to write a report, how to present the report, uh, how to take what, what I see or what you see on the field and, and kind of transcribe that on the paper. And so, what, so somebody else, when they read it, can really get a feel for what you see. And, and uh, you know, I learned everything in scouting, you know, from Dom. And it, it's, uh, you know, he's had a long, he had a long coaching career, a long scouting career. Um, myself and a lot of other young guys that, that were under him um, back in Carolina in 1995. And a lot of us are doing, doing pretty well. And it's all really because of Dom. He, he taught us, you know, the A to Z on how to scout. Tom, what's, Tom, what's the plan to kind of improve linebacker depth and how high of a priority is that for you? Uh, we got plenty of needs. You know, there's just really there's just no like one need bigger than the other. If you have a need, you got to fix it. And uh, you know, our linebacking core was was inconsistent last year, so something we're definitely looking at. Um, I thought Denzel played very well when he was in there. He had some injuries that slowed him down, but uh, Denzel's a playmaker and a really good player for us. Um, but you know, we need to shore up that position a little bit. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll talk with the with his agents here. Um, I don't have an update beyond that, but with, uh, you know, you have like, you have unrestricted free agents and then you have unrestricted free agents that are, you know, Hall of Fame players, iconic players for our organization who still attack the game like a college free agent with that same passion and, you know, his locker room presence is unbelievable. So, um, but we still have some, there's a lot of moving parts in free agency, so we still have some work to do there. Tom, can you talk about... You know, the use of analytics, there's so much data available nowadays. How much do you guys value that, and can it dictate a player's draft value? We value it. I don't know if dictating the draft value is that's probably a little bit strong, but we certainly use it. Um, I think you have to use the data and then combine that with, with the raw scouting of using your eyes and trying to balance that out. Um, certainly a part of the whole process and a pretty big part of the process, um, but it's not the end-all, be-all either, but certainly something that we use and Every team I've been with for 24 years has used it as well, so it's nothing new. Tom, do you want Gates back? This is what I said before. There are so many moving parts in free agency. We still got some things to talk over, but I also realize how much he brings to our football team. They showed that last year. So it's just not an easy, they're not always easy answers, but uh, you know, he, he showed at the end of the year what he could still do. You know, those, those last two games that he played, uh, when we needed him the most, he stepped up and made plays for us. And like I said, he brings so much to the locker room too. But we still have some things to work out still. And well, I'll probably know a little more in a couple of weeks, before, and we'll talk with some people here. Before, Go ahead. Before Forrest Lamb got injured, did you see enough to, to feel confident about kind of this place on your offensive line moving forward, or 
or is it still kind of you don't really know because he was really only out there with pads? For I mean, we feel confident about it, but he only got a couple weeks in training camp, so he still has a lot of work to do. I don't think anyone's just going to give somebody a position. So, uh, But we're excited about him. I'm excited about what he can bring to our offensive line. At guard, not tackle. Probably see him as a guard, yes. It's just, it's just part of the job. I mean, the college game's a little bit different than the pro game, but um, in, in the end, you're looking for different traits that players have at certain positions, and then you're projecting them to this level. So that, that's you know, what we do for a living every day. So it's, it's not, not too bad. Tom, how do you guys feel about Austin Kepler? Is he a big part of his forward? Potentially, yes. I thought he did a really nice job for us last year. I think he had over 600 all-purpose yards, both running the ball, receiving the ball at the backfield. Um, did a great job on special teams for us as a gunner and covering kicks. He really was one of our better special teamers last year. Um, so he's a lot of value to us, a lot of roles. I think he will continue to grow as he gets older and learns more. Uh, but we're excited about what he can bring to the offense. Is it optimal to be taking uh, More options, the better. You know, the more you have a receiver, a tight end, and running back, it's, it's hard for a running back to take every snap every game for 16 weeks. And the way Melvin runs with, it, with his violence and aggression, um, you do need another back in there to, you know, give him a rest a little bit, but a back that go in and make some plays for us. And, and, and also, obviously, a much different style than Melvin, too, so that helps out. Todd, you have a starting uh, veteran quarterback. How do you know when it's time to plan for the future to kind of look ahead? I mean, is that contract, performance, injury base? How do you look? The quarterback position, you're always looking. I don't care if you have a young quarterback or older quarterback, but certainly in our case, our starting quarterback you know, is 30-plus. Um, we've always been looking uh, to see who that next quarterback is, fully knowing that if that guy comes in, whether it's a draft or trade or even free agency, if the, play, if the player has to sit for one year, two years, three years or longer, then he'll sit because we're very happy with the way Phillip's playing. Um, that's that's just part of it, but we'll we'll be ready in that. We're, we're always prepared to do with what we have to do. It just hasn't lined up yet for us. And drafting a quarterback in the first round, I mean, you're okay with sitting him as a rookie with it. I wouldn't take any options off the table, and if the kid sits for a number of years, he sits for a number of years. What do you think about the depth of this quarterback class? It's good. It's been good the last couple of years, but I think it's good this year, and it's you know not just first round either. Um, there's a number of good quarterbacks there. It's actually the draft as a whole. I think is very strong. What's the outlook for Tyrell? Like, you know, different styles of receivers, but they brought a lot to our offense. We, we threw the ball very well, protected well, threw the ball well. Um, but between Keenan and Travis Benjamin, Tyrell Williams, obviously Hunter Henry, who we talked about, a couple of running backs, it gives our quarterback a lot of options. More willingness as compared to years past no it's 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 happened it's happened going way back so uh there are more challenges obviously with the, with the type of contract you'd be doing with that player that might bring a little bit more challenges but it's not too difficult to do well philip's a really good player so i don't know if we want to but I, I know what you mean i know what you mean um <laughs> 
I don't think you want to really take any options off the table because there's only so many quarterbacks available every year, and, and you can't just have have one model. This is the only model we're looking for because you may wait a long time till you find that player. So whether it's a more pocket quarterback or whether it's a quarterback that can more play on the move, I think you have to be op- open to any of those those options, and I think our coaching staff can really work with any type of quarterback. So um, obviously coming out of the college ranks, more quarterbacks are mobile than, than probably pocket quarterbacks at this point, but um, – you know, we'd be open to anything. Is there a path, a clear path forward with Melvin Gordon in terms of extension? Have you guys had any of those discussions? No, but I would anticipate him being here. Tom, how do you guys feel about Dan Feeney? I think he got a little run at center in training camp last year. Where, where's he going to settle in long term? <sighs> he made, I think, a little bit of center at camp and then mostly at guard. And then when, when Matt Sloss went down, he went in and played the rest of the year at left guard. Um, he has some versatility between guard and center. Um, so that's good for us. And we really think he can play almost equally as well at either spot. So we'll kind of see how it shakes out during the offseason, uh, depending on who's back, who our best five are up front. But I think he could probably play either guard or center moving forward. Tom, the quarterback position has been really strong. Casey Hayward, Alex Turner Williams, Desmond was awesome as a, as a rookie. Yeah, you have to be able to cover in this league. And, and the more corners, the better. You can never have enough of them. Um, Jason's been coming along, come along really well. I mean, he's really going to add to our secondary. I thought our secondary did, did a really nice job last year. Um, our defense as a whole, we kept people out of the end zone. So, uh, But the secondary did a nice job, didn't give up very many big plays. But you have to be able to cover, and to add him back uh, would be a huge help. My problem with Jason coming back, that gives you four starting caliber corners. Do you worry about play time? No, it's a great problem to have. Um, and, and I think Desmond can do a lot of different things, too. Um, but you got to line up and, and cover people in this league, and the more the better, and we'll, we'll get it figured out. Quite possibly, it could. Yeah, no, it, it's that's, that's a good, it's a good point. Um, you got to have one to win, and they're hard to find, and they're and they're, and they're an asset. Um, and the, the Eagles did a great job having a quarterback like Nick Foles and come in and play as well as he did, and. Um, look, we all try and do that. We all try and have a backup that's good enough to come in and take it to the promised land as well. Hard to do, but it's, it's all of our goals to have that guy. Um, there's just uh, the supply isn't always as much big as you would like, but uh, there's no doubt. What, what was your evaluation of how Trey Boston played and where are you at in terms of stuff? I mean, for Trey to come in, he came in a little late in the process, um, came in, played 99% of the snaps for us. I don't think he missed a day of practice. Uh, great enthusiasm on the field in the locker room, made plays in the passing game, had five interceptions. He probably could have had seven or eight. Um, came in and played really, really solid football for us. How much fun is the Lamar Jackson evaluation when you look at a guy who's maybe the most athletic guy of all 22 on the field, how unique that is? It is unique, and, and he is uh, – it's really a fun evaluation because watching the tape of watching him play is, is – uh, you don't see very often. Guy that can carry his team the way he does, and he does a number of different things really well. Um, but those those are the those are the fun ones to watch. Tom, how did you see Nick Sirianni grow over this He's an excellent coach. Uh, very detailed, very smart. Works great with the players. Uh, knows offense very well. And I knew at some point that he would be a coordinator at this level. I was hoping it'd be a little bit later down the line for our sake. Because we're a little selfish, but for him, he, he's he's earned it, and uh, the Colts got a great great football coach and a great person too.
I don't know if it's impacted, but, but you do have, like I talked before, you're looking for certain traits that translate to this level. Um, you know, there's some positives of the quarterbacks playing the spread system. They throw the ball a lot in college nowadays. A lot more, they throw the ball more in college now than they did 20, 30 years ago. So um, that helps us evaluate their arm, their arm talent. Um, but with offensive linemen and quarterbacks, you're looking for certain traits, and this differs for every position. But this is what our scouts do all year round. This is all they do is evaluate college players uh, to see if they project to the NFL. And, and uh, there's 32 teams. We're all doing the same work. So it's like nobody has an advantage over somebody else. Other challenges, it's just part of the job. He's still rehabbing, but I'm really not going to speculate on any of our injured guys as far as exactly when they're going to start, but uh, everything's on track. I really hadn't thought about the public part of it, and I'm not exactly sure what, what baseball does. Um, you know, for us, it's relatively new. Is we used to get our own our own GPS data from game day, and now I guess eventually we'll get all 32 teams. Um, I don't know what the public value is, it is. We still have to work through exactly what we'll use it for as far as the our opponents. Um, it's kind of exciting a little bit. It's like a brand new frontier, and, and how we can use it, both coaching wise and scouting wise. But it's relatively new for us. There were moments in practice he looked really, really good, and there's moments in practice he looked like he still needs some work, uh, which is natural for a young quarterback. Um, I think in the preseason games where he came into the process trying to learn the offense, I don't think we saw the full Cardale last year in the preseason. I liked what I saw in practice. He needs live game reps, and he'll see that this preseason. Now he's got a full year under his belt. We're excited about the progress, though. I mean, he's big, strong, athletic, throws the ball well. He's smart. He can make plays with his feet. So there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of things to work with. But you'd like to see some live reps. You know, we can't send him to NFL Europe. There's no other place to send him for those live quarterback reps. Um, you can only get so much in practice. But uh, we're excited about his development to see how far he can take it. Were, were, there last little, were there lessons to be learned from the way the kicking competition went on last offseason? I, I know you guys at the time had said, like, you came out a young way, just made more kicks. Are they, will, will you handle that differently? Uh, yeah, so the end result didn't work. So you got to look at it and see how we evaluate and where we made, maybe made a mistake. Maybe we didn't, but let's look at it again because the end result wasn't good enough. So um, in the moment when you make those decisions all the way through, you think you're making the right decision for all the right reasons. It doesn't always work out the way you had planned. Obviously, that one didn't work out the way we had planned, but we have some pretty good options moving forward for this year. We have a number of different options. I think we're where we are right now. I don't think we can say, hey, this is the one way we're going to go. We've got to look at everything. Um, so, uh, but we'll, like I said before, we'll, we'll get that fixed. Good afternoon. You talking about here at the Combine? Well, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, starting this season like we finished last season. You know, I felt good about our team last year at the end of the season. I thought the coaching staff was on the same page. I thought the players were all bought in and, uh, you know, very resilient group. I think we learned a lot about ourselves in those first four weeks of the season. And uh, I thought that was something that we could build on and hopefully we can carry that momentum into next year. 
Oh, it's really important. You know, we, I wanted some consistency, you know, and uh, bringing those coordinators back and uh, the way we finished, like I said, I feel like we were all on the same page and pulling in the same direction. And I, so I wanted those guys back for the offseason. And uh, I thought our organization stepped up and did a nice job of signing those guys. Anthony, organizationally, how, how much more comfort is it? No. Having done the transition from San Diego to Los Angeles in year two, they have it just been solely about football. Have you felt that kind of in the offices? Oh, absolutely. You know, going into this year, you know, we're not worried about the move. We're not worried about training camp and all those gymnastics and hiring a new coaching staff. Uh, I feel very comfortable going into this year, much more so. And just being with the personnel department uh, for a year, uh, you know, we're all under the same philosophy. We're all pulling in the same direction and uh, getting to know those guys and developing those relationships. So, yeah, I feel much better with that. Is that a big advantage for you guys? I mean, you look around the rest of the division and teams are in flux. They change quarterbacks and coaches and coordinators. You guys... Well, it can't, it can't hurt. I don't know if it's an advantage, but it can't hurt, you know, uh, to have some consistency going into this year. I think uh, how you handle that, you know, is, uh, makes a big difference. Anthony, you lose Nick Sirianni, though. One year, what you see? Well, I knew he was going to be an OC, and I was really planning on losing Nick, and I was surprised the call came so late. You know, I was preparing for that. But Nick, he's heck of a coach. Uh, I knew he was gonna be a, uh, he's going to be a great offensive coordinator for Frank. Uh, he works his tail off. Uh, I enjoyed working with him, and he's just a good, solid man. Plus, Forrest led the training camp. They got to see Forrest. You know, what do you want to see out of Forrest? How, how big can he be that offensive line? You know, losing Forrest last year, that, that was big because I saw enough in a week to know what he could have done for the rest of the season. But yeah, he's working his way back right now. He's not quite back yet. But with him back in the lineup at the right guard position, you know, I'm expecting uh, things. I'm expecting him to pick up where he left off last year, and uh, we'll see. You know, we're going to have to monitor him throughout the offseason, and uh, we'll see where he's at in OTAs. Having been around Phillip and think back on the quarterbacks that you've been around in your career, are there traits that you value you know, above all as you need to evaluate quarterbacks here? You know, Phillip is like a coach on the field, and that's what you want in your quarterback. He studies and he prepares no differently than I do. And when he's on the field, I feel very comfortable that he's going to get our guys in the right position and he's going to deliver the mail to where it's supposed to go. Uh, I thought he took another step as far as uh, recognizing run fronts uh, and, and defenses. Uh, a lot of plays were called in the run game was because Phillip changed the plays. And so, uh, you know, that, that right there, you, you can't teach that. That's, that's want to. That's hard work. And, you know, he has this little... Uh, his SUV that he's put his mobile office in, I mean, that thing's unbelievable. All the video, all the technology you want in it. I've sat in the back seat with him, and, and he's, I mean, he's working all the time, man. Given his age, are these first-round quarterbacks in play for you? No, everybody's in play for us. We're trying to get better. So uh, not, not, not just quarterback, I mean, every position. How, how, how comfortable are you with Melvin Gordon? The way he finished the season, I'm very comfortable. I mean, I thought he was one of the best runners in the game in the last four weeks, and it just seems like the bigger the game, the better he plays. Uh, I do think we, we're all going to have to monitor that knee a little bit. You know, he was gimpy a little bit at the beginning of the season, I think, because he maybe pushed too much in training camp. And so uh, being around him for a year and knowing what he can handle, uh, we, we just have to do a better job with that. But I'm very comfortable with Melvin Gordon. Did something click for him in the last four weeks that was different, or, or did, did you learn him better, or? What, what well, you know, I, I think he felt better. You know, if you talk, if you ask Melvin, you know, his knee felt better, his his treatment was paying off, and uh, and sometimes 
things are not going to be 100% after you hurt them. And you have to learn how to play with an injury. And I think Melvin did a good job of doing that. I hope not, you know, uh, it, it maybe, but I hope not. You know, I just know that, you know, if you're going to compete for a world championship, you better have one or two. You know, if you can't run the football, it's going to be hard. So, uh, uh, yeah, you can devalue runners all you want, but in my opinion, you can't have enough of them. What's been your reaction to watching from uh, Saquon Barkley as a former running back coach? He's a special talent, man. He can go. I mean, he's, his uh, acceleration, his lateral agility, his, his hands, his uh, ability to return kicks, you know, uh, you know he is, he's a special talent. He's a very young player. I mean, people forget this guy never lost a college football game. You know, he's six foot five, two sixty. He can move around pretty well. He has a strong arm. Every day in practice, he makes a roll that make you shake your head. You know, he's a highly intelligent young man. So, there's no reason why he wouldn't be our future quarterback. Which way do you shake your head? Uh, this way. Okay. This way. The defensive backs that the corners are so strong. Casey Hayward, Trevor, getting Jason to that day. How important is it to have that depth back there? What are your hopes for? How you get well, I feel about corners, you know, like I feel about running backs. You can never have enough of those, too. And uh, having uh, Jason back, that's going to be huge. You know, Jason's healthy. He's back in the lineup. Uh, we can do a lot of different things. You know, we can move Trevor inside and slide. We can have Desmond in the body. There's just so many things that we can do with three, three corners. You know, it's, it's a good question, uh, but I, I plan on being here for the long haul. So if, if I can get my future quarterback back right now, I mean, why wouldn't I? So uh, I'm just, just looking at the big picture here, but, but we're trying to get better to every spot. And, uh, and you never know what position is going to step up and help, help you in. Of who? You know, I, I had to see him play a couple games, haven't really studied him a lot yet. You know, we've been in free agency. When we get back, we'll get in the college a lot more. But uh, our scouts, they watched him all year. Uh, they like him. Uh, the couple of games I saw, I think he's a nightmare for a defense. Uh, I think he's a good quarterback. Well, we, when you have a guy that can move around a little bit like Lamar, you know, you make a defense play 11 on 11. And sometimes they think that's not fair, you know. But when the offense can go 11 on 11, I mean, that's, that's a defensive coordinator's nightmare. So, uh, that's what he brings to the table. Statistically, statistically, you guys had a pretty good defense last year. But where, where do you guys need to get better in it? Are there any positions? No, oh, we have to stop the run, no doubt about it. You know, that, that was a Achilles heel all year was uh, stopping the run. And, and some of that is coming from the linebacker play. I think we need to get better at linebackers. And, uh, you know, we have those edge rushers, and I love my edge rushers. But to catch 22, the edge rushers, is sometimes they open up running lanes. But, uh, you know, I thought jo uh, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, I thought they did a good job once we emphasized stopping the run of uh, playing more down the middle and playing more run technique versus pass technique. And that's re really unselfish of those guys. So you weren't able to get them on the field as often as you might have liked, but what were you able to learn about last year's first round looking like? 
when he's healthy, uh, you know, he, he, can, he can help us win. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that he was hurt most of the time. How do you decide what you want in a backup quarterback between a young developing guy or a kind of a steady veteran? Guess? Say that again? How do you decide what you want in a backup quarterback between a young developing guy and maybe a steady veteran? You know, if you're a backup in our league, you know, you, you have to be extremely intelligent, I think because you're not going to get the reps that the stars are going to get. And so uh, if something happens in a game, that guy goes down, you step in. You know, we're not going to call plays differently. We're not going to do anything like that. You need to know our system. You need to know what you're doing. And at the quarterback position, that's critical because you may be handling protections. You may be handling hots. You know, you're delivering the mail. And, and, and we feel like we have that in Cordell Jones and in Kellen Clemens. You, you, said, uh, you spent a lot of time last offseason talking about trying to find a complimentary back for Melvin. I think Austin did a heck of a job last year, you know, but, uh, you know, I like to have a tandem backfield, you know. Uh, I think when uh, uh, it was uh, D'Angelo Williams and um, Jonathan Stewart, you know, I, I love the way 10 years ago they started that, that attack with the tandem backfield. And I just think it's two different skill sets, keeps the defense off balance. And anytime you can attack a defense that way, why wouldn't you? You know, I played in the backfield with Terrell Davis. He carried the ball 400 times a year. And I mean, you can't be at your best 400 times a year. You're going to have to take some time off. And so uh, when you got two guys doing it, I think then you have a better chance to have a better rush attack. Is, is, that, is that Austin, though, or is that going to be a more physical guy? I, I think Austin can compete for that spot, but we need to get someone else to compete for that spot as well. Is that something? Scaling down Melvin touches, I think we were 20th in the league in rush attempts. We talking about giving Melvin the ball more. No, it's gonna be fun. No, John's a good friend. You know, he has a lot of passion for the game. I like the way he coached, and uh, it's just gonna be fun. You know, he hadn't, he hadn't been here in nine years, so you know, who knows what to expect? But I know he's been studying the game the whole time because we've talked a lot. So uh, it's a good move by the Raiders. If Antonio Gates wants to come back. Absolutely. You know, uh, that's something that uh, we had a good exit meeting and something that, uh, you know, we haven't talked about with Antonio in detail yet. But, uh, you know, uh, for uh, he's one of the greatest chargers of all time. And for a guy to take a backseat to Hunter Henry last year and, and take a secondary role and still be the leader that he was to our players was just very impressive. Very impressive. How important is it going to be for you guys this season to get the ball to Hunter Henry more? Um, I know that was something you guys talked about a lot last year. You know, we want to get Hunter Henry involved for sure, but uh, you know, if a defense want to take Hunter away, then we have to look at Keenan, we have to look at Tyrell, we have to look at other directions. Even Melvin Gordon caught the ball well out of the backfield last year, but uh, you know we don't want to force the ball to anybody. But we definitely want to get Hunter more involved. You know, I think I give all the credit to those guys. You know, those guys stayed committed, Eric and. Uh, they never gave up. They believed in one another, believed in themselves. Uh, you know, and just because we started 0-4, they didn't abandon ship. You know, we had a standard. We had an expectation. And they stuck to it. They stayed committed. And uh, one of the hardest working groups I've ever had. So, um, you know, you know just, just like I said, just stay committed. You know, just because it doesn't work out the first time, 
doesn't mean that you know you're not doing the right things. You know, we put a lot of time and effort in all season in building that thing the way we wanted to build it, and uh, we feel like it, it paid off later. I wish it, we could have started earlier, but you know, I learned a lot about myself as far as uh, being a new head coach. You know, uh, I think at one point everybody in the building got the memo that I was a head coach, but me. I still was trying to be an offensive coordinator. I was still trying to be a running back coach. You know, uh, I need to be a little more hands-off, let my guys do their job and embrace my role as a head coach in this team. Uh, I, th- I thought that helped things uh, flow a little better. Uh, and, you know, and just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we lost some tough ones. It wasn't like we weren't in those games. Now, those games, was, those were some close losses. But uh, I just knew the way that team worked, the way that team showed up and prepared, at some point it was going to turn. Time for two more guys. What's up? Do you have to? <laughs> How important is it to get that position solidified next year? Well, I mean, we addressed it right after the season. You know, we, we brought in Robert, and uh, you know, he's a young talent. Uh, he's, been, he's bounced around a little bit. Uh, we're still looking to uh, bring in some competition there with him. And, uh, and we'll see. We can find it in the draft. We may address it in the draft. If not, maybe free agency. But uh, I really would like to get a young guy that can grow with the organization and uh, be a part of that locker room. Did you learn any lessons from the way that you guys kind of conducted the field goal battle last year? Are you doing it similarly this year, or are you going to change? No, I think it'll be similar. You know, uh, you know, last year uh, that kid stepped in and he won the job. And uh, you know, we pulled the trigger to move on because he was a rookie and uh, and uh, didn't have a lot of experience with him. Uh, but maybe if we'd have kept him, maybe he would have been fine. I don't know. But uh, uh, competition is competition. I don't know if we do it any different. And that'll do it. My thanks to Coach Lynn and Matt Bowen for joining me. And as always, thanks to you guys for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Chargers Weekly on Apple Podcasts. And please leave a review. Help spread the word. We'll have more interviews from the Combine in next week's episode. Enjoy the weekend. And until then, I'm Chris Harey.